Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Straight from the CPA's Mouth. I'm Danielle Adam, Communications Coordinator with the CPA Education Foundation, and I will be your host for today. Today, we are going to be talking about the financial histories, realities, and behaviors of four generations, baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, and Gen Zers. We're lucky to have two CPA slash CFPs with us today to share their insights garnered by decades of experience. Kari Speaker-Smith has been with Fletcher Moodrick LLP in Grand Prairie for 25 years and has been partner for 18. And Ryan Gubik is founder and president of MRG Wealth Management in Calgary. Keep listening to hear about the financial similarities and differences between each generation and how members of each can approach their situations. I heard that future casting is an essential tool for long-term business. According to a recent poll, 48% of Canadians say they are $200 or less each month away from Filter out the noise. Hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. Welcome, Kari and Ryan. How are you guys today? Fantastic. <laughs> great. Great to hear your voices, and uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'd like to mention to our listeners, before we really kick things off here, that we are recording remotely to keep in line with social distancing protocols, and also because the three of us are in three different cities. <laughs> so if the sound isn't quite up to usual standards for our listeners, that's the reason why. But before we get started, how about we just get to learn a bit about you guys? So, Kari, how about you kick us off? Um, can you give us a bit of an idea of what your career has been, your areas of expertise, and maybe list off one or two of your favorite things about being a CPA? Sure. Um, so, I started off in Southern Alberta, was raised on a farm down there, uh, my professional career drove me through Edmonton at uh, KPMG and then up to Grand Prairie and I've been with public practice throughout that time. Um, I had I had an opportunity to work several years with our predecessor CPA body in the province with the merit and recognition review committees and got to learn a ton of things about CPAs all over the province and lots of interesting things that lots of different generations of our CPAs are doing and families throughout. Um, my areas of expertise really are in estate planning and working with medium to high net worth uh, individuals, but more so families, um, really working on generational uh, focuses as to how do families get what they've built up through one generation to another. And so a lot of my work is with both small and medium-sized businesses, but a lot of entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial families, both in our region and throughout Western Canada. So. Um, yeah, my, my big reason for doing what I do is, is I love the people and I love to hear the stories and uh, just learning how they got to where they're going and where it is that they're really interested in going ahead in the future. Sounds like you can really join them on their journey. If they'll let me, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's something interesting that you said about working with people and you enjoy working with people because I think that's a common misconception that people have about CPAs is that they're all about the numbers. But a lot of times you're working a lot face-to-face um, -face or one-on-one -on -one with, you know, an individual. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, and Ryan, how about you? 
Yeah, thanks, Danielle. Uh, before I jump into a bit of my background, I just want to echo what you said about working with numbers. Um, it's funny in the financial services industry how many people that's the first thing they want to talk about is, is the numbers or the stocks or um, you know that aspect of it. And it's really about taking a step back and understanding more of the qualitative aspects and goals and values of the individual that, that really makes a difference in their lives. And one of the things I enjoy the most as well. That's fantastic. To answer your question about my career, I'm a prairie boy, uh, born and raised. So I was born in Winnipeg, and I moved to Calgary after I graduated university at the University of Manitoba. Um, so I had a kind of plentiful uh, career in a variety of different roles, I guess, in accounting, finance, um, and financial services. Started down the path doing uh, public accounting with PwC right at, a, right at a university, going down the CA track. And uh, realized I was missing a, a bit more of the managerial accounting side. And that's what got me to switch over to C, uh, CGA at the time. Uh, knowing that we're all now CPA, it, it's really interesting to, to work with a couple of the bodies before the amalgamation. Um, and yeah, my background is 18 years in science and accounting in a variety of different roles. So I also work with the CPA Education Foundation Board. Uh, one of my values and beliefs is, is to give back. So I have... Uh, mentees and I, I also uh, have mentors. I believe in the full cycle of sharing experience and uh, helping people grow into their potential as well as clients. And uh, working with the CPA Education Foundation, it really helps foster that value of giving back to the association and giving back to the member base where we can and um, help all of us uh, grow and achieve our goals. Right. Always growing, always learning, hey? Always. And it's amazing. The learning aspects of this uh, when I first started my career, I always looked for the individuals with gray hair to learn from. Figure, okay, the people that have been around the block the longest probably have the most to teach us. It always surprises me at any uh, networking event I'm at or speaking event. Um, the learning comes from a variety of different areas. And I was uh, just uh, volunteering at a CPA event recently that hosted a bunch of new grads. And it had a panel discussion on helping uh, new grads and individuals that were coming in or just starting the CPA program, navigate the path. And it was so enlightening to hear their thoughts and opinions on the economy and accounting and kind of where we're headed, um, learn from a variety of different uh, age groups and professions constantly. That's fantastic. Well, and you know, I think that's a major reason why we are doing an episode on generations is because every generation has something to share. You know, the, the older generations have that experience, they have that that life experience and um, knowledge in that regard. And the younger generations are a bit fresher. They have different perspectives. Um, and it's it's beneficial to hear different sides and learn from all these different perspectives. Absolutely. And I think you nailed it. Perspectives is one of the most amazing things, I think, um, in the world. And when you look at a situation or a problem or opportunity with a different lens, um, quite often you have a different angle and a different articulation of that. Yeah. Super interesting. Well, I'm excited to have both of you guys here. Um, clearly, you have knowledge that is valuable for us to hear. So how about we just get right into things? We're going to be talking about the four most populated generations in Alberta currently, baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, and Gen Zers. 
But before we get into our conversation, it's important to say that when we are describing the characteristics and behaviors of each generation, we are very much speaking in general terms. We completely acknowledge that there are exceptions to every description, um, but it's also helpful to understand the contexts that people have had to manage their money in, and like we said, um, to hear different perspectives. So with that, Kari, how about you start us off? What are the date ranges for the baby boomers and Gen Xers? And without getting into the financial stuff quite yet, what makes each unique? Well, you know, certainly what I've seen and, and you know, this is describing more so Western Canada because that's what my basis is in. So mm-hmm. there may be different diversities throughout the world, but uh, our baby boomers seem to go from 1946 to about 1964, age 56 to 74. Um and our Gen Xers are that 1965 up to the 80s, which is 40, age, say, 40 to 55. And I think, I think some of the, the really the basic things, with, like you said, without getting into the financial stuff, um, our boomers are really our pioneers. Our, they're the ones who um, a lot of them were, were leading from the original pioneers before them. They were the second generation. But they were really making the basis for what we saw in Western Canada and provincially for growth and change. Mm-hmm. They were the initiators of that change. And so a lot of their, um, you know, some of the things we can talk a bit about on their priorities. But I think that's that's sort of the basis of what what is is the building of the boomers. And then the Gen Xers, which I would certainly describe myself as being, um, uh you know, we 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 had the ability to build on that platform that the boomers really started, and uh, we have had a lot of opportunity in our time frame of our working time, and those opportunities have have brought about um, uh, building of of wealth, not in the dollars and cents, but just the the amount of knowledge and the amount of change, and a lot of that was. Uh, a big part of what the boomers were doing. So I think those are two primary things that we're showing between the boomers and the Gen Xers um, that gives you kind of a sense of what basis they came from. Right, absolutely. And uh, you brought up a good point that, you know, wealth can be calculated in different ways and people can consider wealth in different ways. And so when it comes to the priorities of each generation and what they they place more value on in regards to wealth, whether it's finances or family or work-life balance, generally speaking, what would the baby boomers' mm-hmm. priorities be and what are Gen Xers' priorities? Yeah, and that's really where we see, you know, as, as professionals that work with them, our baby boomers their career was their lifetime career. You know, what they Mm. stepped into, that's what they did for a lifetime. Not that it hasn't evolved from what was then to now, but they're they're ingrained in their career pretty much for their entire lifetime um, with some diversities. And so that work-life balance, you still had a very traditional family unit primarily. And so generally one person working versus two, but that started to change in about the last 15-ish years. So your work-life balance was very much so there tended to be one breadwinner or you had a family running a business um, with that balance of work and, and family life and outside life. But your life still focused around what your career and your work was. Um, which I do see some diversity, certainly in our younger gen- generations, and in, in what they would, if you ask the question work-life balance to each of those different age groups, that means something very different. 
what right. that balance might mean. And so Gen Xers, I, I would say careers have morphed. Generally, you have both them and their partner are are working at some type of career and, and job. Again, I work with a lot of family businesses, so everything is very mishmashed in the, with the people that I work with. Um, I'm a family enterprise advisor as well, and so I'm seeing a lot of generational work with that type of thing. Um, but their careers morphed and opportunities got to be a lot more wide open. So uh, more change happening with Gen Xers. Work-life balance, I would say we've had probably the bumpiest ride when it comes to that. A lot of um, a lot of CPAs actually at my age frame have said, I'm stepping out of this. Public practice has been too much. Um, uh, any, any CFO role um, that meant, you know, we talk about mental health. We just went through mental health week. A lot in my age group for Gen Xers work hard, play hard, and it, you know, it's it's taken its toll, whether it's in family life or or work life, and so very difficult to keep that balance. Um, but very success and results driven, um, mm. you know, in that sense of, and and I think that was a big way in in how how we might have been brought up in, in just showing, you know, by what you could do and succeed at that that that's how that's how you showed success. Um, you know, again, defining wh- what does it look like. So our family units that were maybe more traditional in the generation before us started to morph into something quite different because you've got lots of different people working. Um, you have, you know, people traveling more. Um, so, yeah, I think we still at every level probably have the same priorities and what we want in our life. We just have a different way of getting there. Yes. And I think I really foresee that that's, in general, we're all the same, but we just have a different way of getting there because we've learned differently growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even um, this might be a, a little bit of a deviation, but you know, technology has evolved. That has definitely changed the landscape of you know corporate work and offices. You know, absolutely. In a time right now, my office we're all working from home right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, people couldn't do that. Oh, for sure. Like I know just in the last 20 years, the conversation we've had with our office, our average age of our 40 some staff are about mid 30s. And we've gone from, okay, we should all have our offices with closed doors and dark walls. And then we've gone to the completely open concept where everybody's at tables and and we've figured out, okay, our personalities just don't do well with that. So now we're at glass walls and some what open, but people have their spaces. And and that, you're right. This has changed it. Now we're all working from home, and we're saying, "Hey, this this can work. We can do this. We can do our work anywhere." Um, so, what's that going to look like when we come out of this type of thing? So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that um, is a really good lead into Ryan with talking about millennials and Gen Zers. He's going to introduce them for us. Um, and Ryan, you have a bit of a trickier. Uh, I guess, assignment in this regard because Gen Zers are very young. They're not quite into the general population yet, I guess you could say, in regards to finances and, um, you know, consumers and that kind of thing. But can you maybe just introduce us to the millennial and Gen Zer generations and what their priorities are, generally speaking? 
Absolutely. And Danielle, I had to go recruit a specialist for uh, the Gen Z. So I got two young daughters at home and uh, they were my <laughs> expert uh, <laughs> witness for this, uh, this assignment. There well, you go. Again, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned uh, we're going to be kind of generalizing a bit um, and don't usually like to generalize in the financial industry because everybody's unique, um, values are different priorities can be different. It's not really dictated by kind of the age group, but uh, we'll go based on some history and some generalizations um, as you kind of came in earlier. Absolutely. The millennials, um, when you look at these age brackets, depending on, you know, which site or kind of which organization defines them, one of the interesting things is I found the um, the age brackets are, are quite different across the internet. You know, they're, I yeah. can say quite different. They are a little different. There's a, a couple of years that uh, move around. The so millennials, um, for the most part, it's kind of mid eighties to kind of late nineties uh, or two thousand. So kind of the 20 to 35 year old age group. And one of the unique things with this generation is they were first born into the digital world, mm. right? So that really shaped, um, a lot of kind of the upbringing, um, the learning in terms of school and universities and how, um, globalization and working, you know, you were mentioning working from home and, um, how how technologies create flexibility and, and differences in that. So this generation is one of the first to, to come into that and uh, to deal with it. It's a very diverse um, group um, from a stereotypical perspective. They do have more debt than other generations, uh, rising costs of university and school, as well as a bit on kind of the uh, work-life balance. Um, stereotypically, millennials are a little more focused on that, that balance side. Sometimes when it comes to Gen X and the baby boomers, it's been um, a big focus on work. Um, and it is personally nice to see a bit of that balance because my, uh, my values are aligned with, you know, we, we, live to, we work to live, not live to work. Um, and they expect to work for a number of different companies. Um, so as Kari was mentioning with the baby boomers quite often is you'd have kind of one employer, one industry, and you'd kind of put your time in and get your pension and that would set your family up for success. Right. And the millennials have already experienced uh, a number of different economic um, conditions and downturns. We had 2008 with the uh, financial crisis. We have a global pandemic right now. Um, you know, and you know, there's been other uh, blips throughout uh, their generation as well. So they've had to deal with a variety of different changes in the economy and with that in terms of their working environment. Um, so I was doing a couple things. One, if they're staying in their same job type or job role, so if we use account as an accountant as an example, um, they may work for a variety of different accounting firms um, already in their uh, their age group. Um, and, and quite often they'll even switch into potentially other professions um, before they retire. Um, this kind of generational period was also about doing more with less. So early on in their career and, and probably university days, you know, the, the phrase do more with less was touted a lot in the corporate culture. And then we switched a bit and we started talking about doing less with less. Um, so I think that's starting to shift and change the way uh, millennials start looking at work as well is um, how do we focus on more output than just the input in terms of quality of work? Um, in terms of Generation Z, so it's kind of roughly uh, 2000 and up, so kind of 20 years old and, uh, and less. So this one I, I reached a bit on Google and, and talked to my daughters, as I mentioned. So Google was uh, mentioning a bit more on the search for the truth. Um, there's many different data sources. You know, we have world leaders that coin fake news. 
Um, and it's so easy to get information now. The trouble is not access. The trouble is what is the source of the truth and separating truth from what may be not so true or completely wrong. Um, so this generation has to deal with that. I guess we all generations do, but this generation is brought up um, in that uh, issue. Right. Value individual expression and avoid labels. So this is one of the first generations that's been born into uh, a bit more of an open world with a variety of different um, labels and uh, classifications of people, whether it be sex, age, race, um, personality type. There's a, a lot more variation. I think the generation is a little more uh, open and accepting to that coming into the world. Mm. Social networks. So Generation Z, you know, br- were brought up with uh, Facebook and kind of YouTube and all these different social network uh, sharing. And again, another way to express themselves um, as well as learn. Mm-hmm. Inclusiveness. Um, there's been a, a big, like, for example, a big push on one of them of like anti-bullying, which is great. Like we should all uh, respect one another. And I think the respect value probably goes across different generations, but how we deal with it is very different. And in the last 20 years, there's been much more focus and emphasis on inclusiveness and respect and, um, you know, treating people with that respect and value that they deserve. Um, and then this generation, um, still very young and early on, but the expectation, um, is that they, they may have multiple different job types. Um, so not just working for different companies, um, but within their career, they will probably switch completely different professions or different job types uh, a few times. Um, so that's going to shape the way that they live their life, the way that they save, the way that they might have to go back to school one, two, or more times uh, within their working career. And that's going to change the, the family dynamic as well. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. I'm very curious about Gen Zers, obviously because they are, you know, the youngest generation that we're talking about. They're, like I had mentioned before, they're not quite in, you know, the um, the world yet. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, there's so much potential for them. They're growing up in a world that is vastly different than any we've ever seen before. So it's very it's very interesting to see where that could take them. Absolutely. And yeah. I always are interested in the younger, interested in all generations, but specifically the younger generations. Um, that's kind of our leaders of tomorrow. And if we look at Absolutely. the whole nature versus nurture debate, um, depending on where people sit on that, I don't think there's any denying that kind of the environment that you're, you were raised in or grown up in and your exposure does shape um, a piece of who you are and how you work and um, your, your view. So, you know, it's really interesting to see. Um, the world evolve and and take shape for these generations. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I've got a 21 and 23-year-old and we're having those conversations constantly of what even right now is going to shape the platform of their advice mm. for their lifetime. Mm-hmm. This will always be what they go back to. You know, when we think back to our grandparents, they always had, whether it was relations relationships to a certain war or whatever it might have been but there there is something in this time frame that they will have to carry forward that'll be like no other um absolutely super interesting to to hear their insight insight yeah Mm -hmm. yeah kari that's uh an excellent point and that really leads well into what we're going to talk about now which is what each generation has had to deal with economically and historically um you know when baby boomers were 20, 23, 25 years old, and those platforms were being built for them that they refer to 
throughout their life, and then Gen Xers and and now millennials and now Gen Zers are having to build that platform for themselves. So maybe we can get into some of the historical and economic circumstances that each have had to deal with. In regards to mm-hmm. baby boomers, they didn't quite have to deal with the war, but they're they're growing up in no. a context where their parents did. So what what kind of context were their financial values developed in? So their their context was was feeding feeding the family and building mm. for the next generation. And you know, I think in, and Ryan can attest to it or not, but it generally you have that generation was was working to build their wealth and they had opportunity to build their wealth but worked very hard to do it. Um, but with the intention that it was going to be there for the long term, mm. um, and and so you see very much many of that generation building it up and and hanging on to it with the intent that okay the generation before me a lot of them lost everything they had, and so um, I want to ensure that whatever I build up I'm going to build up to make sure it's not only from here for me but for the generations to come after me, and I think that's a big context with the baby boomers, and also a bit of a financial worry at the situation we're at now because they're looking two generations down from them and saying, are they going to have, an, have enough? Are they going to be able to get the education that they need? Are they going to be able to? And that's that's flowing into the Gen Xers as well. Gen Xers had, we, because I can be one of those, is lots of opportunity in the last 25 to 30 years to to try different things, do different things, build things up. And that, that might be um, un- unique maybe to Alberta or Western Canada, but certainly opportunity, I think, has been a big part for those that Gen Xers have had. So um, the ability to you know, get your first car and buy your first house and, and do those type of things that, that um, maybe is going to be a lot more difficult for the next generations, which Ryan can talk more about as well. Um, that was just, a, that was just available. So I think the circumstances through the time that, you know, like I said, baby boomers, they were coming after a time when parents had to work really hard to, to just scrape together and get and, and build a platform for their family to live on. Right. Um, baby boomers could grow that. Then it was up to Gen Xers, which, Lots of Gen Xers, things wore onto the third generation and then maybe not managed as well as they could have been with baby boomers, where others took it and, and built it up to something even more. But like you said, technology had a big part of allowing the Gen Xers to adapt and change and start doing things um, economically that maybe just weren't even possible before. So Right. Uh, right. Absolutely. And so, Ryan, same idea with the millennials. What kind of context and circumstances were their platforms built around? And how has that affected them? Yeah, and I think uh, we can take just a second before we jump into the millennials. Sure. You know, we've talked a little bit about kind of history and economics and major events that happened throughout uh, history in these time periods. Uh, but the other thing that really shapes an individual is the people that they're around. Mm. Right, so their their parents, um, aunts, uncles, whoever is part of that upbringing, friends, uh, association, sports, like the people that you associate have a lasting imprint on kind of yourself and your mindset, especially at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know the baby boomers, 
Um, although they weren't directly, you know, part of the war, they were, you know, born after the war, their parents had to live, um, many of the parents had to live with the pain and suffering and results of World War II and that time period. And that put an imprint and an imp- uh, impression on the children of the baby boomers. And, you know, exactly what uh, Kauri's mentioning, um, that kind of shapes the way that you save and you view about life sometimes and um, you pass it on to your future generations. So the millennials and Gen Z are uh, a product and shaped quite a bit from their parents, right? So right. Um, on the millennial side, a lot of the Gen Xers, um, again, stereotyping here, worked hard, rose the ranks, um, put a lot of time in terms of uh, trying to save money and uh, where the values were instilled from the baby boomers down. The millennials were looking at that, and for some of them, it's rebalancing the equation. Because um, right. on some some level, Gen X, you know, for those that have worked, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 hour weeks climbing a corporate ladder, or they've seen mom or dad um, have to travel a lot on business or not be home, you know, the, the family values or that balance piece, sometimes the pendulum switches back and forth. Mm. And in, in some generations, the pendulum has been focused a lot on work and savings and kind of growth, and maybe not as much on the... Um, living life or the balance side and coming into the millennials and, you know, it's, it's still fairly early on Gen Z, but there's been a big shift on work-life balance. And we've seen more, um, more discussions and topics and even in, in corporate North America um, dealing with, you know, vacations, you know, like taking one week a year, is that really enough or two weeks a year? You know, do you want, what else do you want in life? What are the things that you value? What are the things that, um, really drive you to go to work. And if it's not just money, because um, with a lot of millennials, you know, depending on what survey you're reading, money and compensation, of course, is important, but it's quite often not the most important piece. So when you're looking at how to motivate your workforce, um, it's really important to understand what the motivators are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what's been interesting is is those that we're employing and bringing into our profession now, it's about connection. They're, mm-hmm. they're seeking some type of connection so that they can learn more, so that they can feel more uh, rewarded. Um, and that survey has been consistent probably for the, about the last five or six years is, no, I really want to feel connected with the type of work that I'm doing with the, you know, the clients or the customers that I'm working with. So that that's a totally different landscape, just like Ryan was saying, than the old compensation talk and benefits talk that used to happen mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Right. So, for sure. I, I want to feel yeah. like I'm contributing something of value, that I have a purpose in my job, um, that Absolutely. kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's the other piece that I was going to mention. There's a big shift as well to purpose and value, mm. right? Yes. So uh, the compensation, the vacation days, the, the benefits, all of those are important but the other piece that seems to come up over and over again with team members and, and different surveys, depending on what you're reading, is the value. Mm. Like, what am I doing to contribute to the bigger picture of my organization, of the country, of the world even, right? So it's being able to tie each task and each um, role into the bigger picture, where in the past, we, we in society didn't always do that. We said, okay, your role is this, and be an expert in doing this, mm. and hopefully that will fulfill you. 
whereas fulfillment now is starting to shift a little bit. And it's like, okay, I don't, I will be an expert or do the best I can in that role. But how does that tie into my teammates? And how does that tie into the broader organization? How does that tie into the broader um, kind of values and goals for the country that, you know, and so forth? Right. Yeah. And, and, and people are choosing not to take on roles if they feel their values are not aligning with the values of the corporation or the, the organization that they might want to join. It is becoming first and foremost. We are going to pause the conversation here for now. If you want to know what else Kari and Ryan have to say about baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, and Gen Zers, make sure to tune in to part two. Thank you for listening in to Straight from the CPA's Mouth, and don't forget to subscribe to the mailing list. Straight from the CPA's Mouth is brought to you by the CPA Education Foundation. The CPA Education Foundation is the charitable arm of the Alberta CPA profession, providing up to 1.2 million each year in support of business and accounting education in the province. This podcast is just one of many resource materials available through the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre. This virtual hub features Alberta CPAs sharing their unique perspective and vast expertise on topics and issues such as leadership, finance, entrepreneurship, and more. Visit cpaalberta.ca slash foundation for more information on the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre and to learn how Alberta CPAs inspire success.